0: This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hump day! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I am your host, Andrew Patterson, along with the uh, brains of the Operation Michael Remus. Coming at you on a Wednesday afternoon and another game day for the Winnipeg Jets might be time for a pregame nap for some of you folks that like to go to bed early. 9.30 start tonight to continue uh, this week and a half out west. Big game tonight coming off that 4-0 shutout to get things back on track Monday night in Vancouver. This is going to be a great show today. I'm continuing catching up with all the boys from 1290. Kevin Olshevsky will be our guest in less than 15 minutes. K.O. Now doing some uh, broadcasting for the Winnipeg Ice who are on a bit of a run out in the Dub Hub. So we'll um speak with KO and then at 1:45 looking forward to uh, welcoming in our pal Derek Taylor to the program. DT is going to join us from the Sports Cage in Regina and uh we'll talk about the latest in the Canadian Football League as well as see if um DT maybe wants to help us with some thoughts on these mixed curling um odds that are up now as uh, we're now into the playoff round and um DT's always got some sprinkles on March Madness we'll see if he's got any thoughts with us for um for that as well so Derek Taylor about 145 and the 1290 reunion week continues with Kevin O coming up in uh, just about 10 minutes welcome to everybody that's in the chat thanks for joining us right off the top of the show Let's welcome in Michael Remus back from Mission Control. Remo, what's good, buddy? How are you?
1: Us uh, feeling good. Navigated some, uh, you know, delays uh, with myself this morning, but we're here. We're on time. The show is ready to go. <laughs> Barely. Uh, lots. Yeah, we're on. <laughs> lots to talk about here. We got some great reception yesterday from the conversation with Marat. Uh, there are some clips on our Twitter page. I got to throw them on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there if you're not already. But uh, we did have, you know, we're going to talk about the Jets game. They're in Vancouver tonight for game two. But a lot of chatter on social media this morning after what happened in a game yesterday. Referee Tim Peel with some comments uh, caught on a hot mic.
0: Yes, indeed. We'll get to that in just a minute. Of course, as always, we've got to thank our wonderful sponsors, Cool Bet Canada, the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Um, great news for Nick and Nikki. I'll let you know about that a little bit later on. Royal Sports, Not Autocorp, and Boston Pizza Winnipeg. And I guess Breezy Bend as well. We'll be getting going with Breezy and hitting the links very soon. So uh, wonderful that. And by the way, special shout out to Not Autocorp. I went out um, just over to Waverly and McGillivray before the program. Had a little bit of running around to do. Popped my head and said hi to the gang there. Obviously socially distanced, wearing a mask, um, and saw some of the Man, the Teslas that they have there, there's so many unbelievable whips, but um, I always get sort of get occupied, focused on those Teslas there. I mean, if you're thinking about a Tesla or any of those other uh, vehicles, and maybe you've got one that you want to get out using their consignment program, uh, call Trev, Barry, the gang down there. They will take good, good care of you great people at Knot Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at Not.ca. So, Reem, yeah, I do want to get to Tim Peel in just a moment, but uh, we do want to start with the Jets. No, not a lot of information on this game we'll get while we're on the air broadcasting, um, because of course of how late it is. Um, you know, we expect that there, you know, may be some information, but honestly, the information of concern is really not as much about the Winnipeg Jet lineup. I think we all know what to expect from Paul Maurice, um, barring some unknown injury that you know hasn't been disclosed. It's the Canucks, especially at the center position, that have been absolutely devastated. You heard Travis Green somewhat um, despondent yesterday answering questions about what it might be like to go up against a team in Winnipeg without their four top centers.
1: Yeah, Bo Horvat banged up, took that shot, was helped off the ice uh, by a couple of Jets players, including Adam Lowry, and we were joking the contrast scene in Calgary who uh, tried to steal the puck, you know, the first uh, game-winning puck from the Sens goalie. But uh, uh Pedersen has already been out. Uh, Sutter has been out. And I think there is one more, as you mentioned, four. Uh, but that's a tough tough sledding. Yeah, Jay Beagle is the other one. Uh, tough sledding. So we'll wait and see what Travis Green has to say. No, we don't really know right now. It seems like the Jets are going to roll with the same lineup as last game. But, I mean, that's tough sledding for Vancouver. Uh, they're going to need to rely on their goalie in Thatcher Demko. Uh, Jimmy VC, who they just picked up off waivers, he's uh, going to be having a more elevated role. And uh, the one guy I like who is getting more opportunity now on Vancouver, a Hoaglander, little guy, uh, plays tough, has some flash. Uh, I have liked what I've seen from him in the limited uh, games that I've seen from Vancouver when they play the Jets. Yes, indeed. And uh, Jets, not surprisingly, still a favorite, even more of a favorite than they were on Monday night. We'll
0: get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. Okay, listen, everyone's talking about this. Last night, Nashville, Detroit, Tim Peel caught on a hot mic and has been cancelled. Now, he hasn't been cancelled. He didn't say anything racist, homophobic. I mean, it's not like a normal 2021 cancelling. But he did do something, Remus, that calls into question the integrity of NHL officiating. And it almost seemed a little too convenient um, to uh, end the road early for Tim Peel. Before we talk about it, let's hear how it sounded last night on the Nashville Broadcast. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against yeah, Nashville early in the... Oh, my word. Yeah. yeah. My word. The just uh, the glory of the internet. I guess uh, you didn't have to spend all that time uh, editing it out. Um, the F-bomb was not the reason why he got cancelled. It was the fact that he said, yeah, I wanted to give Nashville a penalty early on. Just a straight-up admittance of everything we knew all along that makeup calls are real and they're a thing in the National Hockey League and I don't know about you. I'm sort of surprised that I'm not surprised that some people were up in arms about it because that's just the way people are. But, you know, considering we know the way these games have been officiated forever, I'm stunned that the NHL sent Tim Peel out to pasture for it.
1: I'm not surprised at all. I mean, that's an easy PR move for them um Tim Peels, you know, is a veteran official. He's playing, you know, he's in his last not playing. He's re- officiating his final season. He was due to be due his last game in a month. Um it's an easy thing for the NHL to do PR wise. say, you know what we don't tolerate? I don't want to say fixing because I don't think this is this is fixing. We don't tolerate, you know, game manipulation <clears throat> and we'll give him the boot and ah there we're done. Your problem solved, right hus? But for anyone who's who's ever watched a hockey game in the last, I don't know, ever, you know that makeup calls happen. Um they put the whistles away uh and you know in key moments of the game like overtime or the final minutes and they don't call the game according to the rules uh when it's you know convenient for them. So the play yesterday was uh, Victor Arvidson, you know, tripped John Merrill, uh Arvidson on Nashville, John Merrill on Detroit, and Merrill may have taken a dive or something. And then you hear Tim Peel say and caught on the hot mic, I wanted to get get national panel. I know it was a ticky Tac call, but I wanted to give him one. And that's not that's not the way that you re- officiate. But again, actually, it is. Reem. Actually, it is. Are you
0: familiar with the National Hockey League and what we see night in and night out? Now, I'm not sure. Um, God knows I had better things to do than spend my entire night watching Nashville in Detroit. So I was not aware of why the wings were, quote unquote, owed one. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, a guy miss something or a call go one way and a goal get scored? And you just absolutely know that things are going to get evened up. And um, he was just sort of owning it right now. I mean, the crazy thing is that Peel had a month left in his NHL career. He was scheduled to be finished on the 24th of April. He wasn't doing the playoffs this year. And I do think that... You know, there was maybe some friction between he and the NHL head office. I mean, you can just take it for what it's worth. He wasn't planning. He wasn't part of the playoffs. And, you know, he was finishing up a really great run, um, you know, wearing the stripes in the National Hockey League. It's sort of too bad because, honestly, I think this could have happened to a lot of other officials in the NHL. But this will be used as, quote, a teachable moment for the league. Now, I'm just wondering whether the teachable moment will be for the people that are operating the mics or whether it'll be for the referees for the way they actually call games.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, teach a woman, hey, refs, you're on hot mic anytime. Don't uh, openly talk about makeup calls. Uh, instead of, or people who are operating the hot mics, hey, don't you know turn the refs on when unless they're giving the explanation of the call. Um, you'd like to think that okay, maybe we're at a turning point where we can see everyone just wants to see games refere- you know refereed consistently. You want to see a penalty at the start of the game, the same as the end of the game penalty. That's in one game. Also a penalty in the next game. But everyone knows you don't see that. Everyone knows. Like, this is, again, not a surprise. So Tim Peel being made an example of, but I don't think anyone thinks that, okay, this is just a, a Tim Peel problem. This is just how it's been for so long. And I think you you see people on Twitter speaking out, uh, Ray Ferraro, uh, Mike Johnson saying, hey, let's just call the rule book as it is. And... I don't know if we're going to see that and who? Uh, Matt Duchesne we have a clip of him he was on ESPN Radio in Nashville he kind of said the same thing should I just play the clip here yeah else?
0: yeah. Let, let's hear it this is Matt Duchesne after uh, I guess you talked with Robbie Stanley with the ESPN guys in uh, Music City
2: I, I don't think that there's a place in hockey for that you got to call the game it doesn't you can't even I've always been frustrated when I see even up calls or stuff like that like if, if a team is if a te- if one team is earning po- earning power play, if you can't punish them because they're the other team is uh, is not, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean that call was not a good call on RV. I mean during the game, we're watching and we're like, what the heck was that? I mean, like that wasn't even close to a penalty. And uh, so, I mean, uh, that was bizarre. I I uh, I mean, I hope there's that that's not something that goes on with with more officials, but. I mean, there's definitely nights where you're skeptical of it for sure.
0: (laughs) That's a great quote from Duchesne. And, um, you know, I can totally understand why the players are saying that. And, um, you know, it's just that, I mean, there's things when it comes to refereeing in hockey, as someone that's watched this game all my life and is often emotionally invested into it, and that can sometimes sort of skew you know, a an unbiased opinion of it. Is your team getting hosed? Are you getting the benefits of the of, of a bunch of breaks calls? I mean, sometimes you can you can feel different ways. It's just that it's always been this way. And I mean, Rivas, we've talked about this for years on the warm up and the ride and on twelve ninety, getting back to the first time I did a show with Gary, um, it drives me nuts that there literally is a different set of rules when you're playing for the Stanley Cup than when you're playing through a regular season trying to compete to get in the tournament.
1: Yeah, and don't get me wrong, uh, officiating and being a referee in any sport is the most thankless job. Uh, no one after a, a game says, "Hey, you you refed a great game." No one says that. Um you always get, you know, get dumped on when you're having a bad day. Um again, it's extremely difficult at high speeds to make these pinpoint calls and some of them uh you know are done very well. But this isn't that. This is a a guy caught on mic saying, "You know what? I know it was uh you know a minor you know infraction you know very minuscule but hey I wanted to give them a penalty they were due to get one and that's not how you want to see games done you want to see the calls you know done according to the rules so you can't and I agree with Matthew Shane it's like hey if a team is earning power plays you can't just give another team a power play because one team is playing so well that they're drawing all these penalties. So you want to see the games fair. You want to see the games have integrity. And you mentioned to me before we went on, on a stream here that a lot of this has to do with gambling because NHL is getting in bed with a number of sports books. They're in Vegas. Uh, they're partnered with DraftKings. Among you know, and Other teams have a, a lot of partnerships. And you can't have people putting money on these games where that integrity has come into question.
0: No no exactly and don't think for a second that that the future of pro sports in these businesses isn't tied into um, isn't tied into sport gambling wagering and, and you know, making sure the integrity now this isn't Tim Donaghy. I mean this isn't Tim Donaghy making bets on games and you know literally changing the outcome of games and spreads because of what he was involved in. This is Tim Peel doing the job as he's done for a very, very long time. Um, and the fact that he had the confidence just to straight up say it the way he did last night tells you all you need to know about how these games have been officiated for a very, very long time. So um, I have a feeling, Reem, that this is a, a topic that will certainly come up with KO. We'll hit it with DT a little bit later on. But what will be quite interesting when at some point we'll hear Paul Maurice And Travis Green and some of the other coaches in the National League speak on it. And uh, I do wonder, um, because they they need to maintain their relationships with the officials that still have jobs. I really do wonder uh, what exactly they will have to say about this, despite knowing full well that it's been going on forever right in front of their eyes. And those are the guys that have been dealing with it.
1: Well, they asked John Hines, the coach of Nashville, Mm. after the game, so what would you think of this? He was caught on the mic. He's like, I'm not... He basically said, I'm not touching that. I'm not commenting on this. The league's going to deal with it. So if I was a coach, uh, you know, when it comes to officiating, uh, if you don't want to get in trouble, you don't say anything. So uh, I give full credit to John Hines going for full uh, PR guy there, being like, hey, like it's in the leagues. (laughs) He knew... What's he going to say? I mean, he he could say exactly what he thinks, but he knew that uh, that's a league issue, and As a coach, I don't think you want to get too involved in that.
0: Oh, great stuff. Listen, Rima, we'll get back with you a little bit later on. Um, Just before we get to Kevin O, um, big thanks to the Nick and Nikki DQ group, which, of course, is DQ Northgate, Dairy Queen Polar Park, Dairy Queen Niverville, and Dairy Queen St. Anne's for their uh, great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. But we have some congratulations, actually, for them. I was talking to Nick last night. They're really pumped. Dairy Queen Northgate which is sort of their flagship of the four, um, has achieved number one in cake sales in Manitoba. Uh, They've been working hard for this. And If you've ever seen, you know, they're cranking out like Jenna Ray style product uh, at the DQ at Northgate, and really all four of them. But um, top 10 in Canada of over 700. So um, if you are, if you got a party, if you got a little occasion going on, pretty much all occasions will go better with the DQ cake. Trust me. Talk to Nick and Nikki, hit them up on Instagram or Twitter, make an appointment, make your order, and pop down to DQ Northgate and see them, and let's keep them in the top 10 in Canada and at number one in Manitoba. Thanks to Nick and Nikki for their great support of the program. All right, let's get to it. We've had so much fun this week hooking up with the boys from the old station on Pembina, and in a lot of ways, it's uh, there's many funny things about uh, our next guest, and he, he joins us now. It is the one and only Kevin Olszewski. You know, Kev, uh, great to have you on the program. I have to say, have a sip. You know, you can do whatever you want a little martini. Um, the internet <laughs>
3: terrestrial radio's dead people <laughs>
0: uh, I've told you once I've told you before you know I, I, the, the martini coming on is only <laughs> the second best prop in the entire shot uh, it, what is that is that Yoda in the background
3: <laughs> it's technically Grogu for the nerds out there it is baby Yoda from the Mandalorian my 7 year old uh, insisted that if I was going to go on YouTube and she's a big fan uh, I don't know if she's subscribed yet Haas no offense to you and Remus, uh, she will get there at some point. She's still watching people unwrap toys uh as she does for 15 hours a day. She said, baby Yoda had to be part of the shot. I uh oblige and keep the kids happy. I'm a domestic dad. This is what I do.
0: I'll tell you what, we're gonna be getting pre-game it. in 9:30
3: start, 1030 <laughs> start. I don't care, man. Hey, we'll I'm be getting we'll be
0: getting the sub from Timo once they see dad on uh, on YouTube a little <laughs> later on. Hey, don't Kev, know. you do know, I mean, it was released this year by what I assume it was on the internet, so it must be legit. Um, That kids right now, the number one dream profession for children is to be a YouTuber. So essentially right now your kids are watching the pinnacle of human achievement right in front of their own eyes. It's something to look up
3: to and aspire to. My kids have always wanted to be you, Hustler. That's what it is. They're like, well, this guy lives the best life in the world. And they're like, Dad, get in on that action. That's how I ended up at 1290. Yeah, um, Unproven well, rumor.
0: It wasn't the best life for the last six months or so, yeah. but things are going pretty well right now. How have you been, first off? I mean, we had a great chat with Jim. Obviously, I had Rick on yesterday. I mean, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, love that we're having the guys on just to check in and see how things are going. Um, you are quite busy, but just how's the last month been for you after uh, the nuke?
3: It's too busy. I, I feel like, you know, my dad said the same thing when he retired. Uh, he's like, uh, every day I got somewhere to go. I got something to do. I got a list this long. Things get piled up. You. No, it's, uh, it hasn't been as bad as probably people imagine that it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, not all of us are able to uh, parlay our talents uh, into a media enterprise like you and Remus, uh, but we're happy to, uh, you know, uh, tag along and, and ride the coattails and uh, be part of uh, your great idea. And I know it's just going to keep blowing up, uh, but you know what? Uh, it's been good. Uh, you know, it's self reflection. I've been doing a lot of yoga. Uh, I've been uh, uh, focusing on uh, my cooking skills. Cooked a chicken already today. Uh, no, I've been doing the exact same crap that I've always been doing, huh? I stay up late. I watch Jets games. I analyze the heck out of it. I read all the tweets. I read the trolls. And then I sometimes chime in when, you know, maybe I've had one or two martinis. I get myself into trouble. They back me into a corner, prove that I don't know what I'm talking about. And then I just move along and do the show the next day. So it hasn't changed all that much, um, you know, not to mention that. Uh, do, 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 do do, 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 I uh, got myself a little side gig uh, as well in the same old studio that we used to work in, so I'm going back to Pamina Highway. I'm doing the exact same stuff uh, that I used to do. A uh, little different hockey team, obviously, and we can get into it, uh, but huge thanks to uh, Matt Cockle and Matt Heisinger, Jake Heisinger, and Mitch Peacock over at the Winnipeg Ice uh, for hooking me up with uh, at the very least something to do, and it's been absolutely awesome. Getting back to my roots and covering the dub.
0: Well, you know what? This is great, and I, mean, I do want to talk Jets. With with you, But let's start right off with the ice because, I mean, you're a part of the broadcast and I've had some great conversations with them. First off, I mean, great for you to be doing something right now back in sports. And, and similarly, great for these young men to have an opportunity to play. I mean, I know it was a topic that we sort of tackled on various shows on the station over the last year. Um, everyone's lives had been turned upside down, but I... You know, last June, I was thinking about the kids that were missing their high school graduations and all that. And then as we got into this hockey season, I mean, the amount of young talent in the Western Hockey League makes it one of the great development areas in the world. And, you know, you can put this to other sports. um, But, man, if you're a 17 or an 18-year-old with NHL aspirations to essentially be off the ice for a year— um, you know, it's devastating for so many ways. Um, I know you've been in contact with the, with the ice. I mean, just great to see the players back out there um, and a real buzz of excitement, just being thankful to get a chance to play 24 games uh, out in Regina.
3: Without a doubt, and, you know, we lose perspective as, you know, it's 20, 30 years ago uh, that we were in those shoes and how difficult this would be, right? Uh, Lockdown on, stuck in my house with my kids and chasing them around anyway. uh, I get a little more iPad time than I normally would, right? (laughs) Watching YouTube and uh, and playing games and doing that stuff and trying to entertain them and homeschool them and do all that stuff. So I'm distracted, right? So it's no big deal. But I can't imagine, uh, you know, having what you do every day. And I think back to when I was a kid, right? We played ball hockey until we had to go to hockey practice. We had practice or games uh, eight days a week, twice on Sundays. Uh, If you weren't in a tournament, it was all that you did. So for all those minor hockey kids, let alone the ones uh, that have, uh, you know, qualified and and been good enough to make it to the next level and play junior hockey. uh, Yeah, it rips your heart out that they weren't able to play. So trust me, what we hear, um, you know, time and time again uh, from each and every one of them is just how thankful they are that they're getting a chance to play it all. It's only 24 games. We understand that it's real challenging circumstances. They're living in a college dorm, uh, you know, a four by eight room with not much to do. Uh, it's just hockey all the time. They're playing back to backs. Uh, they're playing the same, you know, six teams over and over again. Uh, and it, it could be daunting. And there are smiles, you know, that, Regina Pats got blown out last night, 83, and I'm sure we'll touch on that game by the ice. Kids on both sides. You know, yeah, it sucked. But I was out there and I was playing and I got to do what I got to do. And I'm lucky uh, that we've been able to do that. Kids in Ontario found out today, you know, Ontario Hockey League hasn't been approved to return. And uh, the B.C. division has uh, is a bo- set to return. The U.S. division started back in the dub uh, on Friday. So slowly but surely they're getting back to it. It's massive in these kids' lives. And then you think of the high-end prospects And where they're going and the draft for the NHL moved to July and not a whole lot of scouting and tape and and film and research that you can get on these kids, Uh, the, the pressure that they must feel to go out there and perform. Uh, must be immense but at the same time enjoy it because uh, there's so many people who aren't getting to do what they love to do right
0: now No, well said and that's exactly right now Kevin um, it started off on a losing note to the Brandon Wheat Kings in game number one and since then the uh, Winnipeg Ice have really been on a roll finishing up putting up an eight spot last (laughs) night on Regina and you know, I know we're talking a lot about the draft-eligible kids. I mean, the story last night was about a couple 15-year-olds.
3: <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous, and it's fun, right? It's, uh, you know, we keep looking for silver linings in this whole pandemic thing and, you know, how things have changed and, you know, whether it's players' availabilities on Zoom and, you know, you lose that face-to-face connect con- connectivity uh, that you have with the players and the coaches, but at the same time, everybody can get in and can ask their questions in some ways uh, it goes quicker than what you were used to, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, in this certain circumstance, right, so you've got Connor Bedard, who's ripping out, he's the story uh, of junior hockey across uh, the continent, really. He's 15 years old. He's the first exceptional age player allowed to play in the Western Hockey League full-time. That's great, except with the shrunk season to 24 games, uh, they've kind of abolished that rule anyway this year, so it's really not all that exceptional, because the Winnipeg Ice have a guy named Zach Benson who last night put up a three spot on Regina and Connor Bedard, albeit it was Connor McClennan and Peyton Krebs and Owen Peterson who were going toe to toe with the Phenom kid. But, uh, you know, as of the third period last night, Connor Bedard did continue uh, his scoring streak. The kid is. Absolutely electric. He is guaranteed to be a first overall pick in the NHL in three years from now. And it's uh, amazing that it's that long away, but that it will be. Uh, Zach, Bennett, Zach Benson last night uh, with a goal and two assists through uh, 50 minutes of the hockey game. There's only three points behind him. So uh, he's been unreal. Connor Geeky is their, uh, the first pick of the ice. He's playing on a the line. they got two kids out there and a 17-year-old who's a rookie in the league as well playing on the other side is Chase Bertlet. And they've been absolutely dynamic. So uh, how about youth being served? We'll take that. And uh, as we've seen in the NHL, right, early uh, when you get back, uh, maybe the defensive system's not quite as tight. Uh, they only had a one-week training camp. So I'm guessing the games will start to look different as we move along. But it is a short sprint in this situation. But there's been tons of open ice for those young, skilled kids. And they're getting it done and making the most of their opportunity. The ice got to win, second win, uh, out of six games for a 16-year-old goaltender in, in the dub, which is, you know, it's not unheard of, but unless you're Carey Price or Cam Ward or, you know, one of these guys that went on uh, to a pretty damn good NHL career, it doesn't happen very often. Kids got two wins in Daniel Hauser. So uh, it's been phenomenal hockey. The hockey is actually, as pleasantly surprised at, at how uh, competitive uh, how good it's been and how dialed in the kids have been. James Patrick says it, right? The head coach has seen every level of hockey. He's played in the Canada Cup. You know everything that he's done uh, in his career. Um, he, he said he can't believe the buy-in that they've got from these kids. So they're ultra-focused uh, because they know this is their one shot. It's been so much fun.
0: You know, and I've got to say, um, I, I feel, and, you know, we've talked a lot, to, you know, Matt Cockle running the team and the you know, Jake and Mac Heisinger. I mean, it's sort of been a star-crossed, first two years for them. You know, they come here, they did everything they could retrofitted max bell to get it going, put on a pretty good team was developing this incredible rivalry with the Brandon Wheat Kings that looked like was going to be a playoff series. Kevin, and then everything shut down. You go through this year, you get it to the bubble. Um, and yet you see what is happening within the personnel of this club. And I think it's pretty safe to say that the Winnipeg Ice are in good hands, both on the ice and off the ice. And if the start to this season is any indication, we are getting into a period of the next, you know, you know junior hockey is cyclical, um, where the Winnipeg Ice could have, uh, you know, a real significant chance to win and excite a lot of fans in Winnipeg for the better part of the next few seasons.
3: Well, change is a theme, right? In in a lot of different ways. We've been doing things... Uh, just because we've done it that way before, it's been the traditional way of doing things, doesn't mean it's always the right way. We're starting to look at things a little differently. And I think the Winnipeg Ice as an organization does that, right? They got real creative. They got real aggressive. Yeah, they're going to, you know, ruffle the feathers of some of the old school guard uh, in the dub, in the Canadian Hockey League, uh, in the way that they went after young players and, you know, fought to get Matt Savoy status uh, to play last year. And when they couldn't, they found a way to sneak him into the lineup, uh, you know, for more games than we had seen before for an underage player uh, you have to be aggressive, you have to change things. Um, progressive progression is good, right? Uh, and it's moving us forward. And so far that has paid off. And the, the coach said it last night: post-game comments for James Patrick. Like Benson had three points, Geeky had a couple. Uh, that third line, uh kid line, if you want to call them, were killing penalties they were out there in power play opportunities uh because the score was lopsided, but because they helped get the score lopsided, he's like, I can't wait to see these kids and two years like ripping around like they're going to be 50 60 goal scorers if they're doing this now so um everybody has to buy in right from the top on down uh change is difficult as we know but it can be very, you know, lucrative, and it can be very successful. And so far, uh, you have to like the shape that they're in and what they've done. And I think everybody was looking at this Subway Hub in Regina, and oh, the defending champs, the PA Raiders, are going to be, you know, real difficult to deal with. And Mark Habscheid coaches them; it's defensive first. You can imagine uh, the lockdown system that they play. A veteran team like the Saskatoon Blades are pretty good with Kirby Dock's little brother ripping it up on there, uh, and Tristan Robbins, a great Brandon product, and the San Jose. Sharks second round pick slipped to the second round, probably could have been a first rounder Uh, and the Brown and Wheat Kings who we know and their history and how things work uh, with the Wheat Kings. They're always a competitive team that they were going to be kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. And the ice uh, have stuck it to everybody. They're the only team to defeat uh, everyone Uh, Other than the Brandon Weekings, they get that opportunity tomorrow night and it's going to be fun. Uh, I I would mention the call letters of where you could hear the broadcast, maybe (laughs) check out WHL Live uh, (laughs) because it's one of those awkward situations. I know we'll get to it. Uh, But but the hub has been great so far without a doubt. And and the ice are very, very competitive team.
0: Yeah, of course. You know the station. You know where to find it. Uh,
3: you know, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Obviously, every game done there, and Kev and the gang doing a great job bringing those on. One more ice question before we move on to the Jets. Um, you mentioned first-round picks. It is unfortunate. Carson Lambeau's not with the team right now. He's one of the top prospects, period, for the NHL draft, and you know we've had him on the show a number of times. Very exciting young player. But Peyton Krebs is a first-rounder. Uh, Winnipeg kid. Uh, well, I guess not Winnipeg ice player. He okay. came from, from Alberta. Yes, exactly. But you know, we've sort of adopted him here as he was the face of the franchise coming here is still with them. Um, how has he looked and uh, how close do you think he's to, uh, maybe doing what he's doing for the ice with the Vegas golden Knights, Kev?
3: Well, he was pretty close in the bubble from what Derek Engelin's telling us. Uh, they were hanging out, and he got into a warm-up and almost got into a game uh, this summer uh, due to some injuries uh, with the Golden Knights. Kid is absolutely as advertised. We know how hard he worked to come back uh, from real serious knee injury. The competitive drive of this young man is tremendous. He's got an engine that doesn't quit. He leads by example on and off the ice. It's a captain material he's a surefire NHLer without a doubt, and, uh, you know, as we saw in this strange time uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights, him, guys like Seth Jarvis, uh, another Winnipegger, ripping it up in the American Hockey League, they are very, very close to making an impact at the next level. Uh, he has been full value in sixth round Philadelphia Flyers' steal, and I know you got a real wiki on tomorrow, and that's the last thing I want to hear is him uh, talk about, oh. you know, I, you can grill him about Carter Hart and how things are going in Philly this year so far, uh, but when Connor McCline and makes it to the show. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, uh, but he plays with that same engine, that same fire, and he's been filling the net as of late. And last night, they had as many breakaways and goal posts and a 2-on-0 where the defenseman knocked the net off the morning. They could have each been like six, seven points. They were in Mika Zabinajad land uh, last night <laughs> if things go a little bit differently. So uh, fantastic, uh, you know, from Krebs on down, but he certainly sets the tone. Well,
0: I'll tell you what, when Mariki's on tomorrow, If we do talk flyers, he'll probably only want to talk about prospects because what's happening with the actual hockey club right now is ugly, all caps. Um, Kevin O with us here on Sports Talk Winnipeg. Kev, let's do it. Get to uh, the pro team in town. Uh Well, we could get to both pro teams, although the Moose are <laughs> on a 12 day break in the middle of a 17 game homestand. Not sure how that works. So we will focus on the Jets. Uh, it's a pandemic. Uh,
3: it, it,
0: it, it was a um. You know, a couple tough results in Edmonton. Uh, you know, overall, I think it just really came down to Connor McDavid. Just you know showing that he's the best player in the world and, you know, making for a very frustrated top line. That top line came up big on Monday. I don't think it was a surprise that we were going to see their best. Um, And now the Jets go into a situation tonight with a depleted Vancouver team that, you know, is reeling, desperate for points, before three games in four against what I imagine will be a very ornery Calgary Flames team, considering what happened in Ottawa earlier this week. Thoughts on the Jets heading into tonight
3: um well i you know first i'll start with thoughts on vancouver the best tweet i saw was the the rink with the the hockey stick logo and it was a boot cast coming through it uh, <laughs> talking about their center iceman uh, after bo Horvat went down on a friendly fire blocked shot uh in front of connor hellebuck uh the other night so you you feel bad for vancouver but at the same time you know i look at winnipeg in, in relation to those other teams and the issues you know the the stuff that the trivial nature the style of play the things that you know there's a vocal segment of the fan base as we know are really unhappy with the way this team looks and they're disappointed and they should be better Um, They're doing a lot of things right to get to this point, to continue on. And every time you count out Blake Wheeler, uh, yeah, he does flip the chin strap, right? And (laughs) comes right back after you. And uh, he's not done yet. There are players, just because you get over 30 years of age in this league, uh, you don't always just fall off the face of the earth. I mean, look at a Joe Pavelski and what he was able to do on a run last year. So, yes, I understand that production tails off. um, And they're not going to look like the same player that they were still. Still uber effective, even if they're gonna have some rough nights. And uh, you know, we see the matchups, we see the analytics, I get the arguments. At the end of the day, the Olympic Jets are a pretty darn good hockey team. Uh, they shut out Vancouver, expect them to, you know, it, it it's never pretty, it, it's never easy. That game was maybe as easy as it as it gets, and it was one-nothing in the third period until Adam Lowry buries a deuce, <laughs> right? So uh you 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 know what it's gonna look like. They do things kind of their own way, but what my takeaway from that team is that they're they're just bought in, right? You know, people complain about uh, the deployment, the coaching staff, and and the way that they use their players, and uh, you know, the way that they continue to you know, do the same things. Well, overall, the same things have got them to this point. I know you can't say always, you know, point to the standings and here we are. But, uh, you know, coaching staffs don't change until players tap out, right? Ask Ralphie Kruger what that looks like (laughs) in Buffalo. uh, With all due respect, Uh, there's nowhere near happening there. And you can say what you will about the individual personalities and who you like and and who you think does a a great job running the team and what identity you want to have. As long as all those guys are on the same page and pulling in the same direction and believing in each other, whether we enjoy the heck out of, you know, watching it each and every night, if we think Nick Laila should be playing 10 more minutes a game, uh, you can bitch and moan about it all that you want. Uh, the reality is that those guys for that group, they feel they're getting it done and they're bought in and, and right down to the fourth line, which to me is, quite frankly has surprised the heck out of me that they've been able to do what they've done. You know, I thought in this stretch of March where we've got so many games all backed up together, you've got to rotate some guys through. Look, I want to see Jansen Harkins back in there. You know, I I want to see Christian Veseline and I I like the tease that we got from those guys early, but I kind of get why they're rolling with the, with the same lineup because uh, you know, uh, knock on wood, they've been pretty lucky as far as injury wise, uh, you know, unlike a lot of other teams and they've been able to. So, Bank those points. Keep doing what you're doing uh, because it's not going to change, right? You can dream that they're going to play a a different style or, you know, they're going to look like the Tampa Bay Lightning at at some point. They're not. They're going to play this way. They're either going to win this way. They're going to lose this way once we get to the postseason. And I think as we've seen in the North Division – those top four, it's going to be a coin flip, right? And you can load up with Matthias Ekholm and you can load up, you can try to assess the areas that you've got of weakness on your team. But at the end of the day, you know, you add Ekholm, this is still a coin flip between, uh, you know, Winnipeg. What if they get a matchup with Montreal? They don't match up well with Montreal. They run their show most of the time. That's frightening. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreissel are frightening. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are frightening. But so are Nikolai and Kyle Connor and. Mark Scheifele and go up and down the list and especially Connor Hellebuck. So no excuses, no apologies for Connor Hellebuck being, uh, you know, if he's not the best goalie, I'll do respect to Andre Vasilevsky with the Bolts. Uh, He's uh, right now playing at the second best level. He gives you all world goaltending every night and a chance to win. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it uh, until they lose. And then I'll whine about it like everybody else. (laughs) Hey, Kev, yesterday
0: Murat was on and we had a really interesting conversation about, kind of looking ahead to the expansion draft and, you know, the, the the topic, we're getting into Logan Stanley and the more I've been just kind of thinking about Stanley's spot within the club and what the team's invested in him and his development and what we're seeing from right now, we got talking about, now, and again, this could change if a guy like Ekholm's acquired because then, you know, you're protecting him presumably and going forward, but what is your thoughts on how Stanley's ascended in the lineup and if it came down to it right now, and you were tasked by Kevin Cheveldayoff to decide who that third defenseman being protected is. Has Stan- is Stanley and his future value greater than three years of Dylan DeMello at $3 million a year?
3: Um, It's a real tough question, which is shocking, isn't it, yeah. at this <laughs> point? You know, with Logan Stanley and everything, and he's a project, he's two years away from being two years away, a lot of people were dead wrong on this one. Uh, and I gave... You know, the Winnipeg Jets, the benefit of the doubt, the way that they've developed players, and I know there's issues right now, right? You don't want young players... Uh, you know, sitting on the taxi squad. That was said earlier. you have heard Kevin Shoveldayoff said, oh, I'm just, I can't wait to see Dylan Sandberg in a Jets uniform and he's been waiting. But how do you argue with the path and with you know, the way that they've developed younger players when you look at Logan Stanley. They made the right choices and here he is being a serviceable NHLer. and maybe you know, he continues to blossom and to shock and to surprise as he gets even better, as he gets more comfortable grows into his body. He's still, you know, a very young man and you can't take six foot seven all those things are true um so you know it makes it a tough decision uh, the reality of it is because Dylan DeMello is a right-handed shot and the fact that he's locked in at the term that he is you know I would almost be willing to look at I know Billy Hanel is coming and he is playing next year because damn it I wanted to see him from the beginning of this year uh do we know Dylan Sandberg and how good he's going to be they're stocked on the left-hand side I, I, as difficult as it would be, especially if you don't go on a run and get to the, the, the big win at the end, Hus, um, I would be happy to pay a rental fee for Eckholm And if uh, Seattle wants to nab him, go at it because they're stocked on the left side. Losing to Mello would probably hurt them more.
0: No, it's a great, uh, it is a great point. Kevin O with us here. Now we're going to bring in Derek Taylor in just a couple minutes, but before we do that, KO, um, you know, we're obviously going to be touching on a bunch of the oh, latest, good, latest with Derek Taylor. Um, what was your reaction when you heard the, the CFL XFL news? And, and as it's gone over the course of the the last couple of weeks, um, where's your level of confidence that we will in fact even have a season this year? What are you feeling on CFL as we sit here towards the end of March?
3: I feel Wade Miller will make it happen one way or the other if he has to have the games himself in his own backyard. Uh, that's how determined that he is uh, for there to be a CFL season. Listen, the whole XFL thing, it all makes me nervous. It all makes me scared. Uh, you know, I, 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 if it's the only path, if it's the only way, if it's your last viable option uh, to keep the CFL alive. Uh, then I want the CFL to exist. And I lived through American expansion. The first time I watched the Barracudas, I watched the Memphis Mad Dogs. I went to those games. I had friends who said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm tapped out. Um, and maybe it's because I got free tickets. I was a drunk guy in the student section. But nonetheless, I was there. I was dedicated. I want the CFL to survive. So by all means necessary. I hope they don't have to go down that path. Uh, but the exposure in the you know in the U.S. and all those things, uh, that's all well and good, but that's an unproven commodity. And, and the only thing that anything other than the NFL has proven in the U.S. is that it doesn't work. Uh, and it, it is not the, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, it's not the Messiah that you think it is. It turns out to be a money pit, and that's a problem. So fingers crossed yet. Yeah, the CFL figures it out, and we get Blue Bombers football.
0: Yeah, well, if we smell what The Rock is cooking, hopefully, what he's cooking has a bunch of millions of dollars to get these teams back. <laughs> and on the feel field free to hire going. me,
3: Rock. I am available. <laughs> Anybody else out there? Free agent still floating around. It's only a part time gig with the Ice, and I'm loving it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got a lot of time on my hands. Uh, next game for the Ice tomorrow against the Wheaties? Absolutely. Uh, they get a second crack at the Wheaties and they played them the first game in the bubble. The Wheaties had already played one game. They were on the back half of the back to back, but they'd already got all that initial weirdness out of playing in the, an empty rink and all that kind of stuff. And they were just a step ahead. Ice could have won that first one, too. They could be undefeated. Uh They probably won't be. Uh, it's been great competition so far and looking uh, for that rivalry to be continued, it's always fun.
0: Now, I don't know if many of our sports talk or Winnipeg sports talk listeners are uh, on that station through most of the day, but when can they find you? When, like, when are when is your broadcast beginning before
3: game times? Because I know you well, guys have a lot of time and running around. On it. The chuckles are almost twenty four seven. Let me tell you that, uh, <laughs> Mitch Peacock, sweet pipes. Uh float in uh, exactly a half an hour before the games. And the games for the next uh they play Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday against the Moose Jaw Warriors. They're all nine o'clock starts because is Saskatchewan, daylight savings time, make the farmers happy, all that. Uh they are late start, so at 8 uh, 30, the pregame show kicks in with Mitch and I. Mitch does the call from there. I- I'm behind on the feed watching it back in Winnipeg. Uh jump in for the postgame show. We do about an hour after uh afterwards, uh breaking down that. And anything else that's going on, it's been fun and it's uh yeah it's 1290 on your am dial huss as weird <laughs> as that
0: is for me to say oh man that's funny uh kev you're the best buddy thanks for doing this and uh, hopefully we can uh, do this again very soon <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> <man
3: exactly. laughs> Kevin
0: Olszewski at sports Kevin O. uh you're probably following him already but uh yeah you can check him out he and Mitch Peacock doing a great job of bringing ice hockey and how about that we've got Two weeks of the Jets playing 9 and 9.30 games. And now even the Ice have 9 and 9.30 games. So if you're a hockey fan right now, get used to staying up late. Tomorrow, Wheaties Ice. You can hear that on uh, our old station with Kevin O and Mitch Peacock. I'm going to get to Derek Taylor in just a moment. Hey, spring is here, and it is time to get outside, folks. And Royal Sports... The all-time OG greatest sports tour in town is your one-stop shop for all things outdoors. Whether we're talking camping, skateboarding, wake surf... Um, A brand-new fitness department, which is expanded, that you could probably use to uh, get into. Um, Of course, the bike shop, all kinds of activewear, and the best selection of licensed merchandise in town. It's time to get back into spring and get outside and enjoy our lives and get a great head start on that right now at Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway or or 650 Rally in EK. And um, I'll tell you what, if you want to give yourself a good reason to get outside and work off a few calories – Why don't you, uh, you know, pop down and see our friends at Boston Pizza. Now, they've got a couple great things going on at BP, including the upcoming Call Your Shot promotion, which begins Thursday. Order a BP pizza flight, three pizzas, three dips for only $18.49 and any Molson beer, like an ice-cold Sub-Zero Coors Light, and you could win one of thousands of prizes, like a BP gift card, branded beer fridges, or a custom-built backyard hockey rink. An ODR? Nice. Or a VIP NHL experience for two. You get your game day meal tonight and tomorrow. Call the Shot begins at Boston Pizza. All local locations participating. Let's get to it and welcome in from one province over. He is the host of the Sports Cage. Derek Taylor, DT on SC. What's up? Great to have you on Sports Talk Winnipeg.
2: before we get too far into this, because jeepers, what is, what's going on in sports, Huss? This is weird. (laughs) Everything has been weird.
0: How's the last year been for you? I mean, I know we've both been on each other's shows at times, um, you know, when there has been games on, when there hasn't been games on, but, you know, for you, I mean, you know, we have got to know each other years ago. I mean, you did stuff here, you know, working all the way up to TSN HQ and then got really a dream job to become the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, moved out to Regina Get a year in, and then no season Uh, sports talk without sports. Um, I imagine you could have never possibly imagined what were you were in store for over the last couple of years.
2: Well, my, my boss keeps, keeps reminding me of just what fresh hell I've brought to Regina since, since I came. Uh, the first game I was ever going to call for the Riders was a preseason game in Calgary. And that's when the forest fires were ripping through northern Alberta. So that game, we didn't know if it was going to happen or it ended up being delayed by a half hour. The re- season goes along due to do game three was the season, the home opener, pardon me, in Regina. That was delayed by a, a lightning storm for more than two hours. I've got a tap dance on the air while we're filling time That's there. always fun. Oh, uh, There was the uh, the game in Montreal where we all learned that once you get past the 7.30 mark of the third quarter, if you're delayed for an hour, the game is just over. So we had that delay and cancellation and, uh, and then the crossbar and then the Bombers win the Grey Cup. And then the pandemic hits, and there's no football. Uh, it's, it, I was I was saying yesterday the 20s have been a really long decade. Let's <laughs> let's say that. And uh, yeah, I, not being able to call football just kind of rips my heart out, right? Because that's that's what we came for. That's that's kind of what sports fans here live for, is the riders. So it's been really hard, and we just hope there's uh, just hope there's something coming this season.
0: Well, I mean, absolutely. I think that their things are coming. We just don't exactly know what they are. Um, you know, yeah. and listen, in out in Regina, certainly here in Manitoba, um, you know, we know that fans of Canadian football are chomping at the bit to get back into their seats, cheer on their teams, and go forward. But behind the scenes, and I think far more concerning, probably in markets outside of Regina and Winnipeg, is the just the general state of the league having missed a season. What was your initial reaction when you heard Naylor's report a couple weeks ago about working with the XFL? And, um, you know, what what were your takeaways from that? Because mine wasn't necessarily, oh, my God, what about three downs, four downs? It was if this is seriously being considered and talked publicly. I mean, that yeah. tells you all you need to know about how precarious this financial situation is for the Canadian Football League.
2: Right. And there's, there's so many things. Right in the beginning, I, I put up a poll. I said, do you think these talks are serious? They're nothing, blah, blah, blah. And people said, well, where's the, where's the no, no answer, no opinion option? Because we don't have any information. And I thought, really? You don't think we have any information? It's, it's circumstantial, but we have a ton of information because people would ask, well, why didn't the CFL go to the NFL? That's a great question. And I feel like that's going to be on the top of the list of anybody who runs the Canadian Football League. You know, it would be great as if we could partner with the NFL and some of their light could shine on us. So from that, I kind of put, take away, well, they must have, and it didn't work out. I don't know it to be a fact. I'm just inferring from from what is, has happened because why would you go down the road with a group that isn't currently running instead of the National Football League? Uh, the one thing that, that I get stuck with, and it's kind of – led me where I go down this path is Dave Naylor works for TSN. The CFL is broadcast on television exclusively on TSN. A a deal involving the Canadian Football League would be of utmost importance to TSN. The fact they put out a statement uh, on the Wednesday where it was first revealed that the CFL and the XFL were going to talk was was really telling to me. So when Naylor writes things in his columns – I don't believe that he can just be wildly speculating when it's a matter that is of such importance to the company that pays his his paycheck. I just don't believe that he can be wildly speculating. I look at those when he wrote that first column on that Wednesday, I looked at it and went, this stuff that he's saying, brace yourself for play between the CFL and XFL, his boss's boss is not going to let him just do that in my mind. Go, yeah, you don't oh, just you know
0: throw what? that out there.
2: Right. Well, a a lot of guys could. Right. But in that exact situation, Naylor works for TSN. TSN broadcasts every CFL game. They would be a part of this. They have a deal for what is it? 2025. I just can't imagine that folks at the highest levels of TSN were not involved in what Naylor wrote on that day. And you see Farhan Lalji is is much along the same lines of Naylor and believing that this is very, very serious. Tim Baines of the Ottawa Sun is another guy who's who right off the bat said, this is very serious. This this looks like this is coming. So that's always taken me where I go, because there are just questions in it that I that I can't answer as well of why does the XFL push its season back? If if these are just talking about talking, why are reports that you were talking eight months ago? If this is just we're talking about talking the the things that were put out to us initially and the things that have happened since from parties with significant financial interest make me believe this is all very serious.
0: Derek Taylor with us from the sports cage in Regina here on Winnipeg sports talk daily Um, DT. Now that we um, like in the midst of all of this, where we've been talking about sort of the bigger future of the league, there's also the more pertinent question of what about this season? I mean, you want to be calling games I want to be talking about the Bombers in the CFL. Everyone in our chat and listening to this podcast wants to get out and celebrate a Grey Cup championship. They've been waiting over a year and a half to to get in the rink and, you know, raise a banner. Um, What are you hearing and what's your feeling right now about 2021 for the Canadian Football League, regardless of whatever The Rock has cooking for us?
2: Yeah, everybody's incentivized to get 2021 going. And there has to be a way to potentially start the season before fans can get back in. Uh, here in Saskatchewan, we're down to, I believe it's 59-year-olds can now go and get their first vaccination. So we're making progress, but then on the same hand, uh, we're also shutting down tighter. Restaurants are getting closed, and we're clamping down tighter because Regina just happens to have the highest per 100,000 infection rate in the country right now, of uh, active cases of COVID. So uh, it's it's good, but it's not great. There's things happening on one end, but it's bad on the back end. So we hope for that. There's got to be some way, and the CFL, in, as Naylor reported yesterday, late yesterday, his proposal to the players was, hey, we'd love you to take a 20% pay cut if we're playing without fans. So the CFL has broached the possibility of playing without fans in the stands. Whether that 20% is going to fly, I, am, I don't know how that's going to go over it as when you're already not spending to the max of the salary cap, you've given a, a nominal pay cut or, or a de facto pay cut, I guess is what I'm going for, by intending to spend to the salary floor. Are the players going for 20% less to get games off? I... I hope this is an opening salvo and not something they th- the CFL desperately needs because I really don't think uh, that it's going to go over well with players.
0: Well, I mean, listen, it doesn't go over with, well with players. I mean, it didn't go over well with us during the pandemic when, you know, we were yeah. cut down to four days a week and, uh, you know, were paid accordingly. Um, and I think you could pretty much look in just about every professional sports franchise, people either straight up lost their jobs or... Um, their pay was restructured and the amount of time that they worked was restructured for that. So, unfortunately, that's just, you know, par for the course in the middle of this global pandemic. I guess the question is, and what will be really interesting, um, because, I, I mean, for CFL salaries, 20% is significant. I mean, if you're making six million bucks and you're getting clipped 20 mil- uh, 20%, yeah, you're losing a million too, but you're still getting 4.8. I mean, the, the economies of scale yeah. are not the same on this. However... Um, and this is a reality. I heard Stanley Bryan on OB yesterday, or Jamarcus Hardrick on OB yesterday, talking about what he's been doing and how busy he has been. He's doing football camps, and he's doing personal training, and he's doing a bunch of other things. And I would imagine most players in the CFL, out of just necessity, have figured out other things to do to pay the bills in the meantime. And I guess the question is, when you get down to this amount of time, and this pay, if they are already down the road of other things. I mean, most of these guys have to be thinking about life after football at the best yeah. of times. Never mind now. And you do wonder if there's some guys that will just walk away. The other side of the coin, though, of course, is the XFL isn't playing. I don't know if fan-controlled football is going to pay the bills. So if they do want to play football and keep their dream alive of you know playing football for a living... You know they may have to hold their nose and accept what is there from the Canadian Football League, or it simply doesn't happen.
2: They may have to, but think think of the American guy who came up and the minimum now sixty five grand, lopped twenty percent off of that. Okay, well now you make fifty two grand Canadian. You go back home, and that turns into we hear exaggerated numbers of it's twenty by the time I get home. Whatever, it's not a lot of money by the time you get home, right? Times it by point seven. Okay, now I'm getting back with thirty five k then I pay taxes, boop-a-doop, and you go, I'm a guy with a four-year degree. I probably have a career in mind uh, on the side of this because I wasn't a first-round NFL draft pick. I I was a fringe whatever professional player. There, there are guys for whom they're just going to walk away, and I feel like we've we've seen that already from the pandemic. Uh, both guards in Calgary retire, Brad Erdos and Shane Bergman. I know Erdos missed 19 with injuries, and it all plays a factor, but uh, my my feeling is that was inspired by Delvin bro today announced his retirement. I wonder how much of that was inspired by the fact of, well, we didn't play in night in 20. I'm getting a little older. I was injured in 19 and I don't know what 2021 is going to be like. I'm just, I'm really concerned that we're going to, we're going to lose some of the guys that we love. There'll be more coming in to take their jobs because, I mean, uh, you know very well, like I do from the <laughs> beginning of our careers, we did stuff for dirt money back in the day. I made 23 grand in my first job. So there are people who will do it for dirt money because they want to build something. And uh, But are we... Are we poor for the players that will lose as fans? Oh,
0: listen, if that is the case, I, and I think to be honest, DT, that is going to happen no matter what. I mean, just on account yep. of missing one full season of professional football, there will be guys that you know were close to the end but would have come back. Can they still come back? Are they even able to do it? And the one thing that is always in the in I'm sure in the back of the mind, or maybe the front of the mind of the people that run these teams in any league is that NCAA football continues to churn out thousands and thousands of football players every year. And um, let's just say it's a buyer's market because there's a lot more players than there are teams. And, you know, I think your point is well taken. Um, I don't think it threatens what the league is going to do, but I do think that, you know, some people will be stunned to see how different some of these rosters might be whenever this league kicks off again, as opposed to what they remembered when the Bombers were in the championship in November of 2019.
2: I have no memory of that, that championship happening. I oh. believe the big, the great <laughs> cup is vacant. Isn't it vacant now? Isn't that how that works? I'm pretty sure. Y- yeah. So it's, I, I just, I, I wonder because it's so important that they get back on the field, right. In 2021, because if, if it wasn't, why are they talking to the XFL? If these reports of oh, they're probably going to lose collectively sixty to eighty million dollars as far as the nine teams this season uh, are accurate, will you lob that on top of the ten to twenty million that they lost collectively as teams in in a good year in twenty nineteen? You think okay, well the Riders, for example, at the beginning of this, we're saying if we don't play football in twenty twenty we're going to lose about $10 million and our reserve fund isn't enough to cover that. Seems like they've been able to make it through, but every penny below what they've been able to make in previous years, they're going to have to find that again. And who knows when we're going to be able to build back up to regular crowds and uh, who knows what we're going to be like as sports fans on the other side of this, right? Like we, we had a spell in Regina where for, a couple of weeks, they said, you know what? You can expand your, your groups of people. You can have up to 10 people in your little bubble, and you can expand to as mo- at most one other household. And I brought that to my wife. and said, hey, should we, should we let Daryl and Sarah into our, into our bubble? And she said, hell no. No, no <laughs> chance. I love those guys. I'm not getting COVID. No way. And that's a real, she is a social animal. And the pandemic has changed her in that respect. And I honestly wonder what we're going to be like when this is all done. Because right now, it seems like a never-ending pit of despair and fiery hell that we're...
0: (laughs) That is a great way to sum it up, DT. Uh, A great pit of fiery (laughs) hell and despair. Uh, Well, hopefully, Uh, uh, it'll cool down a little as you get forward. And listen, I mean, I, for one... I mean, I'll tell you right now, if I could go to a hockey game indoors at whatever the population of the building percentage that they were fine with i mean i would do it but that's just one person i mean you ask 10 of them and five might be there and five aren't even close to there and two of those 10 even when things are good might give it a year or two so i think your point's very well taken we really don't know uh what's going to be on the other side and that might mean you know some more very difficult decisions for the people running teams, as well as, um, you know, essentially just a, a market correction for things like salaries and just the way that all of these leagues do their business for the better part of three, four, five years. I'm talking about what, you know, what this flat cap in the National Hockey League is going to do to free agency. And we saw what had happened last year in, in, in a abbreviated strange time in the middle of the pandemic. That's not changing this summer and probably not the summer after. So um, hey, let me ask yeah. you this right now, when you're doing your show, with the Riders not playing, junior hockey is back. Curling is big uh, here mm. on the prairies right now. Hockey, what, what's the spread right now? I mean, what's the, what's the number one story right now in Regina? And how are you splitting up your show? I mean, what is dominating the airwaves right now when you're talking to your people every day on the cage?
2: It'll, it'll always be CFL football because I love it. But this week, I vowed that we're not going to talk about the CFL-XFL thing. Because I had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of talking about the CFL XFL thing. And, you know, from from hosting a show and and this show, you you get tired of it after a while. (laughs) I don't want to contemplate every little thing about how especially when you don't
0: have the answers. I mean, you can speculate, you can kick things around a little bit. But I mean, to do four hours a day on a topic where nothing has really changed at a certain point, you do have to move on.
2: Yeah, exactly. So uh, CFL will always be the big one. We started talking yesterday with Marshall Ferguson of Canadian Football Perspective, my podcast partner there, about the combine and what that's going to be and what guys can do in a combine in a virtual year. So there'll always be CFL talk with Suits and and, uh, Luke Mullender. I love curling. I am an enormous curling fan, so... The second the Scotty started, I'm like, oh my God, uh, let's talk about Sherry Anderson. Oh my god, let's get her let's get her second Shaylee Kitts on. Oh my God. Oh my god, the Briars on. Those guys are fantastic. Let's get Dunstone and Muscawie and Kirk Myers on. Oh my God, let's have them all on and talk curly. <laughs> oh my God, we're in mixed doubles now. I do a lot of oh my gods. We're in mixed doubles. Kirk, come tell me about mixed doubles and, and how it is. Why wouldn't you leave the bubble and tell me about this weird game where you're you're playing with a new partner and, and uh, it's I love I it. Love all. it.
0: I love it. I love the mixed doubles, and I can't get enough of it right now. It's quicker. Um, You've got the eight ends, five rocks per, the – no, I – is it a choice between you can have the man or the woman shoot first and fifth and second, third and fourth. It seems most of the teams are having the female shoot first and last rock and the guy in the, in the middle, regardless, it's such a unique game. I kind of fell in love with it. Watching uh, Johnny Moe and Caitlin and the uh, Caitlin laws in the Olympics. And it hasn't yeah. been something that's really been on television very much, but after everyone got their curling uh, Jones, all fired up through the Scotties and the briar, I think the way they're putting this on is neat. And, you know, it's even neat to see some of the top curlers in the world kind of learning on the fly. I was stunned to find out know, Carrie Anderson had never even played mixed before, and now she and Brad Gushu are out <laughs> just hammering teams, and they're going up against the team from Winnipeg Beach, Zahedek uh, and Lot, coming up this afternoon as well, which should be good. But the mixed has been so much fun to
2: watch. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you get to pick who, who plays what role, right? So when we were talking to Kirk Myers on the show, he's the second for Team Saskatchewan, and he plays, uh, oh gosh, uh, Laura Walker of Edmonton, the, the champion skip from, from Alberta. Uh, he said, you know, you, you'd love a sweeper and you'd love a great line caller. So I, I, ultimately, I think you probably get down to who's the best line caller. Okay, that person will throw first and fifth. And maybe I don't know if there's an advantage to having the stronger sweeper beyond that fifth rock or or how that all plays out. But line calling, it just seems critically important in normal curling. But in this one where you can't affect the rock as much because you have only one sweeper versus the option of two and three. And in those weird, uh, weird highlights from the, the, the Briar and the Scotties, occasionally they're all four just working at it. It's it's. It's really interesting. It changes the way you have to throw the rock. It changes the strategy. There's power plays. It's And it's quick, right? It, it's quick. It doesn't drag out and uh, try to figure out as Kevin Cooey's clock runs down to 30, uh, what's going to do with this final stone against Botcher? Oh, concede. There's no shot in hell. We, we can win this one. I love it. I just I need more curling because uh, I got a little taste of it at the National Scotties. We're in Moose Jaw right down the road here last year. And it just my eyes were just wide open again. Oh, this is, this is fantastic. I love it. And then uh, there's the gambling on it too, which is also quite sweet.
0: Well, absolutely. We're going to get to our coup daily lines a little later on. And, and I will add in the mixed curling lines, which are available for this afternoon's draws. I have to tell you though, DT, and you know what a great yeah. rivalry, a fun rivalry it is between Manitoba and Saskatchewan. And, you know, we go at each other when we're playing against each other, but we're all part of the prairies, but the rivalries are real. Um, I can't believe how I got sucked. By the end of the uh, by the end of the Scotties, Sherry Anderson was my favorite curler. You see all these incredible, like, young guns and all these young teams. And then there's the wily vet Sherry out there, you know, making the last stone, beating teams that many people think that she shouldn't do it. And, oh, man, just the way that she conducted herself was – I made a big, big fan out of me. Um, And then, of course, I mean, you know, we all wanted Saskatchewan to win because then that would have been another – dig that we could have said well it took the guy from winnipeg to actually finally put saskatchewan over the top but maddie dunstone what a player he is and that that is an exciting team i think we're going to see them well, finally get to the top of the mountain sooner as opposed to
2: later yeah just on just on sherry anderson in the saskatchewan quebec match there was a real that was the feature match that day and there was it was before one of those skips threw their final stone in the last end, it, they put up the graphic and they said Sherry Anderson's first Scotties was 1994. Laurie Saint georges the skip from from uh, Quebec, was born in 1997. And he went, "Oh my god, <laughs> that is such a great thing for women's curling." Sherry's in her 50s. She's been able to, as she she told us on the cage, i have had her on a few times because she's a she's a star in a terrific interview. She's able to stay healthy. She's able to stick like, my my hips are good. I'm going to keep curling. And then on the on the low end, here's Laurie St. George at 23 making her way in. And she was an absolute treat to watch during that event. So that's been great. And, and this province will be just completely hyped about the Matt Dunstone rink in the coming years. Bronze medalists last year, bronze medalists this year. And they brought in Kirk Myers. So in the previous two Saskatchewan tankard championships – it was Myers' rink against Dunstone's rink. Myers won the first year. Dunstone won in 2020. And then this year, they they came together. Myers came on as their second. And you go, ooh, you took out the skip of the second best rink and took it apart. And while there are other great curlers, that would seem to put them on the path for a Oh, gosh, Jeff Stoughton-like run of dominance within the province if everything keeps working for them as a foursome, right? We we remember how much – I mean, Manitoba is great for – Stoughton ran the province for a long time. Jennifer Jones runs the province for a couple of decades, right? That's what lays in front of Saskatchewan. And, man, that Dunstone rink was not the least bit afraid of, of any of those big rinks, and that was fantastic to see. It ultimately didn't break their way in the match against Botcher, who hit what he said was a three out of ten times, I'll make that shot kind of shot. But that's that's when you play at the highest level, right? The other guys are good at it, too. They were this close to being the team that would have taken out Cooey in the final. So uh, I think there's a lot of stuff in Regina. You guys were, were talking uh, about Connor Bedard and the Pats. Connor Bedard, the Dunstone rink. Uh, man, when we get back to regular curling, Robin Silvernagel's rink on the women's side has been fantastic. Winning the province two years in a row. Uh, the riders are going to crush the bombers in the great (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen in the CFL this year, but, uh. Yeah, it'll oh, not it'll that. Around. Not
0: that I'll tell you that much, no.
2: DT. <laughs> yeah, um, it hey, revolve around Winnipeg and Hamilton in, the, in the, <laughs> the CFL. But this is a great time to be a sports fan in Regina. The next couple of years are going to be lit.
0: Yeah, well, just as long as we can get these games back on and uh, pack that stadium and uh, get ready for Labor Day and all the things that we love. Hey, DT, before we go, you did mention wagering. I can't miss an opportunity to ask you about March Madness. I was less prepared for this tournament than I have ever been before. And I think that just sort of speaks to the time that we're going through right now. Um mm. I, I think I think Loyola Chicago is like the only team left on my bracket. I had Purdue winning <laughs> the whole thing. They lost <laughs> to North Texas in the first round. However, looking you ahead had Purdue?
2: To, back up to back up, Huss. You had Purdue? I, it
0: was like literally through a dart. I'm like, four okay. uh, C maybe they'll go. Yeah, no, there, there there was nothing scientific about this. Um we got eight games. Uh, have you looked ahead? Is there, uh, is there a team or two that you uh, like to advance to the Elite Eight uh, as we look at the, uh, these lines?
2: Well, just to preface this, so I've been in the, uh, the pool from TSN. It's now 19 years long. I've been in it for five years. Uh, and I, gosh, the last three I've been in the money each time. And this time I have the, the most remaining points left. The, most po- the highest possible score is my 103 points. So I'm in a real good spot. I have Gonzaga out of the one end, and I have Houston coming out of the other end. And ultimately, our, I think the way our bracket will play out is uh, it, if Baylor beats Houston, one guy will win it. If Houston beats Baylor, it looks like I'm going to win it, contingent on what happens with Alabama down here. It's it, it's uh, This works out pretty good. I, I, I'll have some tips for you, a, a website for you when next year's tournament goes around. But I'm really looking forward to Houston because they came in as statistically, there's a little formula I use. They were one of four teams that could potentially win the tournament in in my mind. And they just barely got out of that round of 32 games. So I I am curious to see what Houston will do in the Sweet 16 and uh, Elite 8. But when Illinois went out, their bracket opened wide up they they have an easy path to the final four now.
0: Yeah, they uh they've got Syracuse, which is an I mean that's a team that you're always sort of expecting to hear around March Madness, but the funny thing is when everyone's talking about Bohame, it's not the coach. It's yeah. The kid. He's yeah. amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, I like them going through ele- the 11th seed, right? Syracuse is is Syracuse, but ultimately Houston is a team that can that can score and Houston's a team that can defend and Uh, Big school, small school. When Gonzaga is the by far number one team in the tournament, the small school, big school thing no longer has any relevance for me when it comes to this event.
0: Hey, how about Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean and uh, their center, who is the, uh, I believe, the cop from Super Troopers. um, They are (laughs) minus six and a half point favorites in the next round. But I guess that's what happens when you get, I believe that's an 11 versus 12 matchup in the round of 16.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, Loyola. Yeah, Cause Loyola, Loyola was Bruce, the eight.
0: They against. Oh yeah, they they are eight, and uh, the Oregon State Beavers were there. Um, we go. Th- that yeah, that's their opponent on that. I mean, are we yeah. gonna? Are we gonna be dealing with Sister Jean all the way to the Final Four?
2: Oh, I love it. I, I love the thought of that. And the best part of that is fifty-five people in our pool. Three people picked Loyola over Illinois. Including me. <laughs> That's
0: funny. Just... That was my only other good pick. I have them going
2: to the final it... four.
0: Yeah, I, again, no idea. This was about as random as it gets, DT. But I'll take so, credit for that because I did it.
2: W- when it when it comes to NCAA betting time, uh, there's a website for you. And anybody who, who is interested in college basketball, it's KenPom.com. K-E-N-P-O-M.com. Run by a guy named Ken Pomeroy. He's been doing like advanced stats on college basketball for he's got data back to 2002 and the front page of it is free. So you can see his efficiency on offense and defense and things like that. And you go in there and you look for teams that are in kind of the top 20 in both offense and defense and go, okay, these are the teams that can win the title. How do I get, in this case, it was Gonzaga, Illinois, Michigan, and Houston. Those were the four teams that by this theory I have could potentially win the tournament. Okay. Illinois is out. Michigan is down at second best player. So, uh, I, that's how I got to a Gonzaga Houston final but Kenpalm.com, if you're doing any any uh, gambling betting and oh by the way he also does curling believe it or not I don't oh! know how he got to curling we might have but to he does curling so as well let's get there but, yeah, before if,
0: the mixed draws this afternoon
2: <laughs> yeah Exactly. So if I was any level of uh, serious college basketball better or wanted to be, kenpom.com is an absolute must. He is phenomenal.
0: Oh, that is a great tip. DT, it's great to have you back on the program. Wishing you well. Say hi to your lovely wife, Fiona, as well. And uh, let's do this again soon. All the best to our friends out west in Saskatchewan.
2: That's uh, that's awesome. Thanks, Hus. You're killing it with this new show. I love it. And anytime you need me, I'm here for you. We'll
0: talk to you soon, pal. Thanks so much, there he is. Thanks. Derek Taylor, the one and only. You can follow him on Twitter at dt on sc. And the the one of the best things about Taylor when he moved from TSN over to Saskatchewan to work with the Sports Cage, he went from DT on SC, DT on Sports Center to DT on Sports Cage and. Didn't even have to change his uh, his Twitter handle. That's uh, I think he probably planned it that way. It just worked out too well. Let's bring Michael Remus back in. Um, we're going to get to our cool bet daily lions in just a moment. Um, but Remo, great stuff with Kevin O and D T on a, on a Wednesday hump day edition
1: of Winnipeg Sports Talk. A lot of fun catching up with both of those dudes. Kevin O, the first. Um... The first martini on the show, and he brought he brought Baby Yoda from his uh, his daughter. So I brought uh, I brought Elmo out. So uh, Kevin, oh, you're not the only one. You're not the only one who can bring uh, kids' toys
0: on here. The but, thing uh, is that that was not Kevin. Like if Kevin blamed that Baby Yoda on one of his children, he was being disingenuous. That was 100 percent his. And I'm not sure that that Elmo. I'm not sure that that Elmo actually isn't yours as much as you're going to try and pawn it off on little
1: Evan. I mean, look, I get him stuff that I, I want to wear. I mean, I bought him a Guns N' Roses t-shirt recently. Is that, I mean, what eight, 18, 19-month-old has a Guns N' Roses t-shirt? It was clearly wow. something I wanted for myself, but uh, it's way cheaper in toddler sizes, so uh, I, I went with that. Jeez, I'm surprised you're getting him the
0: G&R stuff so early. Next thing you know, he's going to be uh, ripping out behind the house to have a smoke and uh, you know <laughs> hanging around the, uh, the wrong side of the doors with the kids at preschool.
1: Believe it or not, uh, if you ask him, he'll tell you his favorite band is Peppers, as in uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> they're, they're heavy on the rotation. Um, hey, let's get to the Cool Bet
0: lines. And uh, thanks to everyone that's in the chat, by the way. Uh, great crowd all day long. Uh, a special shout-out to Wayne Jones, and I believe that's Wayne out in Norway. Who um, said uh, we need more betting on curling? And then the upside down happy face. Now I'm not sure whether this was serious or not, but I will tell you, Wayne, that if you're ready to go, uh, we've got a couple big matchups at the Canadian Mixed Doubles Curling Championship. And uh, I mentioned Carrie Anerson, um, who's the uh, the best in the biz right now on the women's side of the game, playing with a legend himself and Brad Gushu. They'd never played together. I don't think Carrie had played mixed before but they have been unbelievable. Now, they're going up against the Sahadiak Lot Rink from Winnipeg Beach, Manitoba. They're not as much household names in the team game, but they've been really good and mixed, um, and they continue to pull off these wins. They're a big, big underdog today, plus 140. Einerson and Gushu, minus 196. I'm not sure if I have the stones to throw down. It's a heydack lot, but they have been winning. And again, if you're like Wayne and love betting on curling, um, they've been winning people some money. The other matchup we talked about the Laura Walker Myers team, they are heavy favorites against Sheeman and Morris this afternoon. minus two six two three to plus eighty. But for the cool bet lines, let's get to these games tonight, Remo. And uh You know, not surprised the Jets are a favorite a little bit more than they were on Monday night against Vancouver, considering the injuries, but the Jets, I think, still pretty good value the way that they played on Monday at minus 133 against the Canucks, more than even money at plus 114 as a home dog.
1: Yeah, and we're kind of waiting and seeing what's going on with the Canucks lineup as well. We know Thatcher Demko was starting. Bo Horvat and Brandon Setter took the the morning skate. I think there's still game time decisions. Jets making no line of changes, same as last game, Hellebuck and goal. So I would still lean towards the Jets, especially with these Vancouver injuries. If you're getting, what are you, minus 140? I mean, I still think that might even be valid. one 133 now on, uh, on Cool Bet.
0: It was 135, and it's actually gone down a little bit. So I, I do think that that probably will get closer to 140 by game time. So I think if you want to get on the Jets, do it now at Cool Bet before, uh, before it goes up. Um, and only five other games in the National Hockey League, including... Ottawa and Calgary going at it again. What do we see from the Calgary Flames? Is this the big bounce-back game? that I mean, they really have to have, Reem. I mean, you can't play and behave the way they did in the situation that they're in and not have a big response, especially with Daryl Sutter in town and now able to watch what the Flames are doing, both good and bad, from the bench.
1: Yeah, and a weird 4 o'clock start time. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, that game is going on, I guess, for national TV, although they did have... They postponed Edmonton Montreal game. They could have, you know, helped out us Jets fans by making the Jets game a bit earlier to fill that that slot. I think Calgary's going to disappoint again. They disappointed all year. Uh, I'm so off Calgary. I've picked Monahan and Goodrow every night in fantasy. Uh, I've lost a lot of money on them. So uh, bye bye Calgary. You're 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 done. You're on the list.
0: Ah, uh, so uh, decimal. I know some of you in the chat like the decimal odds. Uh, Calgary is one point five four. And Mitch, if you're watching, I know you rode the Sens at 2.5 last game. It's even better this week. uh, uh, Today, 2.59 for Ottawa. Uh, Minnesota, a big, big favorite going up against Anaheim back at home after those crushing losses to the Avalanche. 1.37, 3.18. Um, Pittsburgh, a heavy favorite, 1.35 against the Buffalo Sabres. We all know what Buffalo's done this year, 3.3 on the line. And the other late game starting at the same time as the Jets and Canucks. If you want to get a you know a late game, two-game parley in, um, just about a pick'em, San Jose and the Los Angeles Kings. But um, obviously our focus tonight, Remo, and tomorrow in the program is going to be the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets will finish up this series against the Vancouver Canucks tonight and then head to Calgary to play those Flames we just spoke of for three games in four nights, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. A very big, important weekend for both clubs. And what's amazing, and we didn't really touch on this yesterday, but I know a couple people mentioned it in the chat. This is all happening as the Edmonton Oilers and Montreal Canadiens shut down for a week. Well, the Oilers aren't shut down for a week. They just don't have anybody to play right now. And they're now going to have a week's rest going into that game against the Maple Leafs uh, to begin to on the weekend. Um what is interesting about this is just what it's gonna to do to the NHL schedule and how problematic this will be to get games made up. And you know, you could see if the Jets are unscathed and end up getting to the end of their schedule, you could see a team like Winnipeg have six, seven days off of rest and practice before the playoffs start while for instance, Edmonton and Montreal, who could both be playoff teams, have to play three games to the end of the season, and then it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could then start the playoffs against each other, basically be playing like 10 games in a row against the same team.
1: Yeah, I don't know uh, what it means. We're getting a lot of questions. like What happens if you know one team plays less games than another team? Do they go by points percentage? I think the, the NHL has been asked that throughout the season. They're like, you know what, we're planning on playing all the games has been... Their answer, so we'll see how they schedule these in at the end and how it affects the teams, but uh, I know some. one friend texted me, he goes, I was playing a guy in fantasy this week, he had McDavid and Dreisaitl, this is the first time I've ever been happy about COVID news, so... (laughs) So, <laughs> so uh, it is definitely affecting. Uh, fan. It was like right before lock on on Monday. So uh, you know, baby,
0: the uh, worst possible time to get yeah. that new. That's, folks. If you're a fantasy guy, you gotta have your notifications on. As much as it's a pain in the ass sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had the notifications on, you would have been able to squeeze somebody else in your lineup and not look at your two superstars with no games to play on a weekly contest that locks on Monday at six o'clock.
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. So in terms of real life, I mean, hope everyone in Montreal's okay. Hope they get you know take the proper procedures and protocols. But definitely throws a bit of a wrench into the plans of the North Division, which had had no postponements, and now uh, this Montreal Edmonton series postponed. For the week, and we'll see how it affects them going forward. I mean, they can't I mean, say, oh, yeah, the Canadians are going to benefit from all this practice time with a new coach. Well, uh, they can't do that. So <laughs> I don't know if, if there will be any yep. benefits yep. at all except for maybe some rest. But, again, if you play like 10 games in a row later against Edmonton, uh, it's not really much of a benefit.
0: Well, again, our focus is um, won't be on the Habs or the Oilers. It'll be on the Jets and Canucks tonight. Hellebuck back in net coming off that big shutout on Monday, looking to get another win before heading to Cowtown for three games in four nights. A very busy weekend for the Winnipeg Jets coming up. But it all starts tonight. A 9.30 start. Of course, you can check the game on the TSN or listen to the great Paul Edmonds. Drop it on CJOB. And um, I'm looking forward to this one tonight, Reem. It will be a little bit late, but uh, I can handle it. I don't mind these late starts, even during the week. And uh, I'm most looking forward to uh, talking about it with, guess who? Brandon Rewicki coming on the show tomorrow. And something tells me we'll spend a lot of time talking about the Jets, Reem. Uh, Of course, he's got the Skates and Plates podcast um, but I also think that the last thing that he'll want to talk about is beloved Philadelphia Flyers, who killed me last night. I picked them in the lock shop as a safe puck pick at home against New Jersey, and they lose. And they actually got booed at home. It seems like nature nature is returning um, if the Flyers are getting booed at home, losing to the New Jersey Devils.
1: Now, was that um a real crowd there, or was that like fake crowd noise piped in as booze? Because either I one wouldn't surprise was... me. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, that, that's the funny thing. I know that the Eagles um, <sighs> this year, when they were playing terrible, and they were just doing, you know, they didn't have fans, so they had the crowd. They did pipe in booing just to give people the full Philly atmosphere. Um, but I have a feeling, I know Pittsburgh had some fans, yeah. so I think they've got a limited number, and every one of them was booing their asses off last night as they went down 4-1 to the New Jersey Devils before coming back. By the way, just on Philly, and we'll ask Brandon about this uh, later, and I mean, like most people, I've been spending all my time watching in the North Division, um, and I've seen a, few, a game here and there. I had no idea how brutal a season Carter Hart is having. I mean, he came into this year, and we were talking about Hart potentially being the starter for Team Canada at the Olympics. I think he's like 65th in the league right now. He's got a goals against average approaching four. Um, the entire the entire story of the Canadian goalie right now when it comes to the Olympics is fascinating. Um, like, I, I don't know how you look at what's happened this year in the league and think that anyone other than Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be starting for Canada, and a year ago... Much like our conversation with Logan Stanley yesterday, a year ago, that certainly
1: didn't seem likely. Yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury's been excellent. Uh, I know about what's going on there in, in Philly with the goalies. I did pick up Brian Elliott in fantasy. I was like, oh, this guy's, uh, this guy's playing. But I agree, a lot of our focus has been on the Canadian North Division, Scotia North. And uh, I'm tuning in. I've watched a bit of the Wild. Uh, I was like the late games of watching Vegas the other night. So uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely a different season, but a lot of fun. And yeah, Flyers. You know, the two nights that I take Flyers on uh, on fantasy uh, was the night they got blown out by the Rangers, nine nothing. And last night I had uh, Kevin Hayes and uh, Travis Connecting as well. So I don't know if you guess if you see the Flyers being a big favorite, Hus, uh, bet against them seems to be the trend. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you know, before
0: we go, um, we're going to be doing golf reports and talking a lot of golf mm. all year long for our friends out at Breezy Bend Country Club. Check them out online at breezybend.ca, or uh, why don't you join us down there? Best private club in the city. So much fun. Great people. Um, but the match play, I talked yesterday about it a little bit. We talked about it a lot on the lock shop. The first round of the match play is taking place today. A few big upsets, none bigger than 60th seed Ian Poulter, routing Rory McElroy 6-5 and five, in a match, Remus, if you've seen this on the net, that included Rory McElroy hitting a drive so far left out of bounds, it ended up in a local neighborhood house's pool. Uh, what? It seemed like that was <laughs> sign of the times. Yeah, Rory hit it into someone's pool today and uh, got absolutely routed by Ian Poulter. And, uh, you know, just looking live on the show, I gave it a few picks yesterday. Cam Smith... Oh, big win over Lanto Griffin, my guy Abe answers four up through thirteen. This is uh, this is a nice start for uh, for the picks so far because I got to tell you the hockey picks last night absolutely stunk, but hopefully they'll be better tonight. Yeah. Check out Sports Talk Winnipeg uh, WPG on Twitter um, for the daily lines as well as um, bonus for you. But other than that, Reem, uh, we're, I'm gonna go watch some of this golf and then get ready for another 9:30 start and uh, talk about it all again tomorrow.
1: You know, hearing. Rory McElroy hitting it into someone's pool reminds me of the time Happy Gilmore drove the ball and hit that guy on the roof of his house. You hit that <laughs> this- guy?
0: <laughs> it's about the closest thing you'll see to that actually happening but- on the PGA Tour.
1: Before we go, I do want to give one shout-out. Uh, WWE Hall of Fame announcements uh, continued today. Big announcement. Mayor Kane, uh, Glenn Jacobs as Kane, uh, getting deck. well-deserved. Uh, well deserved for uh, the big red machine.
0: You've always been a big cane guy, haven't you? I, I remember you were quite scared <laughs> when he started doing the fire early on in his career, but uh, ever since he got together with Daniel Bryan for um, Team Hell No, I think that really you know turned him into the guy that really became uh, able to you know go from being a horror uh, you know basically a horror character into an actual mayor of a town in Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I think he transitioned from uh, the scary figure to a comedic, more comedic. Later on, once he took the mask off. I do prefer the OG Kane uh, with that old mask. But from What about uh,
0: Isaac Yankum,
1: DDS? Yeah, I I wonder if Isaac Yankum will get mentioned. He had some good matches against Bret Hart. But uh, Kane, I did watch his um, interview with Stone Cold on the Broken Skull Sessions, and he did say that mask was uh, very difficult to breathe in. Uh, That's (laughs) that's why he got rid of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why he's a no-mask guy. Now, uh, yeah. even in the even in the midst of the pandemic, uh, yes, Kane joining Eric Bischoff and Molly Holly in the uh, in the Hall of Fame, for the WWE. I guess WrestleMania is coming up in about three weeks. At some point, we'll probably have some fun talking about. They'll that. have lines. But- uh, yeah, well, for sure they will. For sure they will. But today we'll be betting on golf and curling and then some hockey tonight and getting back at it tomorrow. Um Remo great stuff today. Uh, Rewiki on the show tomorrow. That is going to be a heck of a lot of fun and then Troy Westwood's going to finish it up with us on Friday. And we'll also have the return of Andy McNamara. Andy, few people have more energy than Andy. Ever since he was uh, got a job with Sportsnet and Rogers, were not able to do with him on TSN, so we're getting the band back together. We'll talk some NFL and much more with Andy Mack on Friday. But tomorrow, Brandon Rewicki of The Big Show and the Skates and Plate podcast will join us. Um, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much to Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Congrats again to Nick and Nicky. Top cake sales in Manitoba, that's awesome. If you're looking for a DQ cake or you want to make that party special, you know where to go. DQ Northgate, no one sells more than they do. Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway, Breezy Bend, and, of course, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg. That new promo begins tomorrow. Call your shot with a chance to win some incredible NHL prizes at Boston Pizza. Folks, thanks for being with us all in the YouTube chat, and for those of us listening on podcast, thanks so much. Be sure to rate and review. It helps us out and spread the word about Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. From Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks again to Kevin Owen, Derek Taylor. We will see you tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight, and thanks for being with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks
2: for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.